Hola, audience. Here's a question for the day. When was the first educational program created for occupation th occupational therapists? Is it A, 1850, B, 1867, C, 1915, or D, 1994? The answer will be at the end of the episode. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. I hope you're well. Welcome to another episode of Healthcare Boulevard. This is a podcast where we shine more light on healthcare and our goal here is to provide more options to people looking to choose healthcare as a career path, regardless of their background. My name is Sena Kakpomo and I am your host and creator here. I thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your support. Remember, you can tune in on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back. I, this is another uh, um, interview. Interestingly, about this one, I'm recording straight from my work office. <laughs> and uh, Calvin, who's joining me, joining me today, is uh, an occupational therapist, and he's so nice and so flexible. And I really appreciate him for putting up with my shenanigans. <laughs> Calvin, welcome to How you doing? <laughs> Thank you for having me, so I'm doing great. Oh, good, good. Um, so Calvin is uh, already an occupational therapist, but he's still in school. And we were just discussing this before we started recording because he will, he's getting his doctorate degree. So he's a full-blown occupational therapist because you graduated, you got your license and everything. But you're like, let me, I don't want to just be Calvin. I want to be doctor, okay? Okay, <laughs> I want to be a doctor out here on this street. So you are, you are, you are here getting your doctorate and I appreciate that. And uh, I'm rooting for you. You're almost done. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I, like Sean said, I feel like that was already the introduction. You've already introduced <laughs> it. But um, I... I'm Calvin. I'm an occupational therapist. And uh, like someone said, I'm not currently in direct patient care at the moment. And that's really mostly because I'm currently a full-time doctoral student and resident uh, mm -hmm. trying to get my doctorate degree, uh, specifically at the University of Southern California. So that's where I'm at. And uh, I finished the degree this year, 2022, August. Mm -hmm. uh, and so after that, hopefully I'll be able to go out and practice. So do you, did you go to USC as well for your master's? I did. OT? Okay. Yeah. Um, so what, what, what is your journey like coming, becoming an OT from, mm -hmm. you know, from when you were a little wee bit? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. It... So what, what, first of all, what, what, how did you hear about the profession of occupational therapist? Because I feel like it's one of those, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's one of those professions that are not at the forefront of people when they think about healthcare professionals. Um, so how did you hear about it and how did you decide to become an OT? Yeah, definitely. So I found out about it, I guess, pretty early on. I found out about it during my senior year of high school. Okay. And so that was really because during my senior year, we had this uh, senior project for one of my classes, and it was based on like future careers. But mm -hmm. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't even get into college yet, so I had no idea. 
Um, but my friend who was in the class with me, she said, um, I think you would be a really good fit for occupational therapy. Mm. And I had no idea what it was. Right. Yeah, but she, uh, her cousin was an occupational therapist and we didn't live too far away. And so for the project, I asked if I could interview her cousin and really like long story short, like the way she talked about OT and like the way she expressed herself really sold it to me. I, I really enjoyed it. And in the beginning, I kind of knew I had a general idea. I wanted to be in healthcare. I wanted to help people. I just didn't know how to. And so when I heard about OT that way, um, it just, I really liked it. It really resonated with me, the work that's being done by them. And so after that, I just went straight to undergrad. Um, I went to UC San Diego and occupational therapy isn't really a major that's offered at a lot of universities. So it wasn't offered at UCSD at least. And so I had to kind of pick something else. So I chose psychology and that was really uh, because a lot like half the prerequisites for OT schools were very focused on psychology courses and so I thought I might as well and then um, that experience happened so I graduated from my bachelor's in psychology and then my senior year of college I, I was applying during that cycle for OT school um, and I only applied to USC that year but I got rejected actually <laughs> So I, I didn't get in and that it really like broke my heart, but it gave me a chance to do a gap year, which mm -hmm. I don't regret at all. Okay. I feel like mm -hmm. people should definitely take advantage of a gap year if yeah. they're able to, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I took that gap year. Um, I had some fun. I also like got to work, get some volunteer experience, mm -hmm. really like, really like remind myself why I want to do OT and like mm -hmm. improve myself as a person and as an applicant. And so I applied again uh, for the next cycle. I applied to more schools um, just to like really give myself more opportunities and chances. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was accepted into all the schools except USC again. I was waitlisted. Really was playing with your heart. I know. <laughs> it, was, it was really hard for me because I knew deep down in my heart I wanted to go to USC. Um, and I was very grateful to have gotten into the other programs. Right. But I, my heart was like, just wait, like wait for USC, just wait. And so I waited and then it was actually, it was kind of last minute, but I got off the wait list. And ever since then, that's kind of how the journey has been going. I got my master's after two years and now I'm in my doctorate. Okay, that's yeah. that's a journey. It's it's funny because it's it's very similar to uh, uh, so many I would say healthcare professional ways. Like you have to apply and you get in. And yeah. You, you have to think about it. Like okay, how hard do I want to do this? You know, exactly. stay determined. Make the best of the time you have when you didn't get in, and it's uh, it definitely some level of roller coaster in mm -hmm. <laughs> in our in our story, right? Um, oh yeah. So what are some of the requirements for you to become, to even be an applicant, a legitimate applicant for an OT school? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think general requirements would be to have a bachelor's degree mm -hmm. um, from college and also to, the, the prerequisites different between every program, but I feel like generally they all kind of require like developmental psychology courses, um, something to, something about the lifespan and uh, lifespan development. Mm -hmm. And there's other like 
there's like um like human anatomy and human physiology I think those were like the most common that I saw across all the schools that I had applied to and so it's kind of just like taking those courses get it like passing those courses and kind of having those fulfilled and then there's essays for some schools and those of course diff differ too but um the really general one that came from kind of the big there's like one general application website. It's called OTCast. I'm sure like a lot of other health professions have the same thing. It's like something yeah, cast. We have the PA cast. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so yeah. that's where all the information is. And it's like there, the personal statement for that was really, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was basically like, why do you want to do OT? Yeah. What's the reason? Why do you, why do you feel like you, you should be in the programs that you're applying to kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so did do most or uh, a lot of OT programs require or or enjoy having an applicant who has clinical experience? Is that like looked good upon if you have cl some clinical experience versus, or do they just don't care really? Yeah, that's a good question. So I actually a lot of the schools that I applied to did require some clinical like volunteer mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. like shadowing observation kinds of experiences yeah. um usc interestingly did not require any of that i remember talking to one of the admissions um the admissions faculty and they were telling me that it's 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 like a good thing to have it because then it mm -hmm. could probably inform how you write your personal statement or yeah. just give you a better idea of ot but they said that it wasn't a requirement so technically a student wouldn't need it to get into USC sure. specifically, but mm -hmm. I'm sure I definitely do encourage like if potential prospective applicants are trying to apply to OT school, it's it's a great opportunity if mm -hmm. they're able to find some volunteer experiences. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different like practice settings that they can do it in. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's great, although it might be harder right now because of the whole well, pandemic situation. I know. Everything is hard as it relates to healthcare or just in general, but just it really is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, right now, literally, as I'm sitting in my office, there's a line outside of the gate of our clinic right now for people who want to get tested for COVID. Oh it's my gosh. Absurd. Yeah. Absurd. I know. It's yeah. Starting, this... It started like before Christmas, and we were like, okay, you know, the holidays are coming. Hopefully, by the time New Year's Day, it goes down. No, mm -mm. no, it didn't. Omicron was like, right I'm back <laughs> with a new variant and everything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, is there like an entrance exam for OT uh, entrance to get into a program, or just GRE or nothing at all? Yeah, it's the GRE. So, yeah, so it's like the general graduate school entrance mm -hmm. entrance exam. Um, some schools require it, some schools don't, um, mm. but God, I hated the GRE so much, actually. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, any test, any standardized test, it just, yes, uh, exactly. it's, it's a headache, it's yeah. more than a headache. Yeah, um, it was hard to like tell myself like, this score doesn't define me, but at the same yeah. time, like my score isn't good in, like I feel like it wasn't good enough to like get me like where I wanted to be um yeah but 
but yeah, yeah, yeah I think one of those things like it's like it's easier said than done yes to like believe or easier said than believe where it's like okay my grades don't define me my grades don't I know who I am or anything yeah. but it's like you know that intellectually but emotionally you're like <laughs> It's always like the back of your head, like, yeah, this matters. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, so if you were to describe an occupational therapist to somebody who's never heard of the profession, <gasps> what would you say? Oh, yeah, this is like the million dollar question. Oh. Because, because occupational therapy is so new, like oftentimes mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know what it is. Yeah. I, um... I would say that occupational therapy is a holistic healthcare profession mm-hmm. where we as occupational therapists can help people from really all walks of life. So across mm-hmm. the lifespan and just helping those people get back into doing the things that they want to be doing mm-hmm. or are expected to be doing. And so those, those things that people want to get back into doing are considered occupations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really those meaningful activities and as OTs, we really have a, this sky is the limit capacity to like work with individuals on what their needs are and meet them where they're at, meet them in the middle. And one thing that really caught my attention with OT too is that we can work in so many different practice areas. For example, like um, adult rehabilitation, pediatrics, mental health, and that's really just to name a few. And I appreciated that a lot. Um, just to be able to explore the opportunities and test the waters of what suits me. Because I know like at the beginning of OT school, I knew I wanted to do OT. I just didn't, I didn't have like a solidified idea of like what population I wanted to work with, what practice setting I wanted to work in. Mm -hmm. So that was cool to me. That was very interesting to have that. So you guys can move from a setting to setting without having to get a certification or go back to school or anything like that. Yeah, there's definitely some settings where you can do that. There's there's others where like it may require a certification, but there's mm-hmm. also like opportunities where you can kind of just do a switch if you feel right. like it's a better fit for you. Right. That's yeah. that that was definitely one of my favorite thing about physician assistant. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Thank yeah. You. It's a good yeah, I feel like it's a good yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it is like it's, because it to make a decision on what you want to do for the rest of your life when you're mm-hmm. like in your early 20s or teenager, it's absurd to me. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, I know. No, no that's the most pressure. Like, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be doing this one thing. Uh, like, yes. <laughs> I like the fact that yeah. like, like PA yeah. and OT, like, okay, there's a chance that if I want to, I can try something new. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So what would you say are some challenges in your profession right now? Oh, I think, I guess this kind of... If anything, unless you guys are just living your best life, then that's <laughs> <laughs> I know. Actually, there's no challenges whatsoever. <laughs> um, I guess this is kind of related to like how OT is still a growing new profession. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I know when I was a master's student, I found myself confused at times about like what my role was when I was mm. doing field work or like in those internship, like clinical clinical experiences, I wasn't sure how different I was compared to another profession at times. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I felt like it was hard to define what OT was for myself, as well as to like other professional um, healthcare professionals that I was working Mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. That was a challenge for me. And I felt like that, that kind of echoed across the profession too, 
especially for the students. And so like, for instance, like in my mental health field work, I feel like I wasn't sure what the difference between me and a social work student was because I felt like we were doing the same things, but kind of after going through the courses and like discussing with the faculty that were teaching us, I realized that our special shtick is that we focus on occupations. Mm-hmm. And that's really like the key to our work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it like takes some time to get to that realization, especially as a student, but by the end of it, I, I got to see how unique OT is and how special we can be when treating clients. And so no one else really does what we do. And the profession has done a lot since it was founded, like really a little over a hundred years ago, which isn't a lot, like that's still very new in comparison to other professions. But yeah, I think, I think we're doing a lot of great work and it's kind of like a a growing process um, Mm -hmm. as, as was like any other health profession that has grown today. And so. Exactly. um, Exactly. Yeah. No, uh, that, that is definitely is across the board. Like things, I feel like a lot of things besides things like MD or nurses or um, even PT, mm-hmm. a lot of us have to make sure we know, okay, what are we doing? What are we not doing? Mm-hmm. And the scope of practice has to be well known, especially when you find yourself in a room with other people. Uh, not necessarily that you need to recite your scope of practice, but in that setting, I feel like it's important so that you can be like, okay, this is what I can do. And I know you can do it too, but if that you have a hierarchy where you can do certain things that I cannot, mm-hmm. then you can do that, those things, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and also sometimes we can get in the political setting in the workplace where hierarchy, where certain uh, uh, people with certain titles want to use those titles and tell you, oh, I'm this and you are that. You can be oh, like, oh, yeah. That too, though, you know? So, right, right. <laughs> um, it's definitely useful to, to have those information. Mm-hmm. Um, and that leads me to the next question. What what other professionals are you working with as an OT or are you oftentimes working with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess I can answer this in respect to the the fieldwork experiences I've had, like, um, which, like, sh- fieldwork experiences, uh, they, they were just, like, short-term, immersive yeah, like, I mean, guys, it's, like, clinicals for us, you guys. Yeah, like, essentially, yeah, yeah, clinicals, yeah, yeah as student yeah. experiences, and then, um, so I've had the opportunity to, like, interact with physical therapists uh, mm-hmm. and, like, speech pathologists. I feel like those are oftentimes the most common ones that mm-hmm. occupational therapists interact with. It's kind of that rehabilitation circle. Right. Um, as well as, like, for my, from my experiences, like, social workers, psychologists, mm-hmm. surgeons, teachers, more. And, like, my interactions with them vary kind of between each profession. It also just mm-hmm. depends, like, who I'm talking to, what the vibe is that, like, <laughs> that always kind of comes into play. And it was definitely a scary thing uh, for me as a student in the beginning, um, partially because like, I didn't have my own professional identity yet. Like I was still building on that. Um, But I think it's really important to feel comfortable in your own, in my own definition of OT and when communicating with other professions, because sometimes they might not know what it is and what we do. But if we're confident and we have the knowledge and experience to advocate for our presence, then that definitely helps with the right. interaction. And yeah, I also just try to be yeah. nice, be open-minded. And I took those interactions as learning opportunities to see how I could collaborate mm-hmm. with other health professionals. 
no, that's that's definitely the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, as a as an OT, what is uh what are some leadership opportunities that may be available to you? Yeah. Oh gosh, this there's definitely a lot. I think yeah. I also I like I myself in the way future have like considered doing this kind of like as an aspiration of mine. Um, but yeah, there's a lot. I think the more obvious ones are kind of serving on boards or committees of our professional organizations in OT. So that could be um, like the American Occupational Therapy Association, AOTA, or the Occupational Therapy Association of California, OTAC, or the World Federation of OT, WOFIT. Um, there's, there's also organizations like the uh, the American Occupational Therapy Foundation, and the there's just really a lot, and those those are just like some organizations to name a few, and I think the leadership opportunities in those relate to more um, administrative leadership mm-hmm. opportunities, not so much mm-hmm. like direct patient care, but kind of working in like like overseeing or like kind of working in the policy domain and kind of like figuring out how how to advocate for OT or just like, what are the kind of like the pressing issues for the profession that that we would need OT leadership in to kind of help support that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also leadership opportunities if, um, if you're connected to uh, a university program, like leadership mm-hmm. could also be like serving as faculty. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's there's definitely a lot. I think it kind of comes down to a lot of connections mm-hmm. it's it's like it starts like oftentimes a lot of ot start as like patient like working in patient care mm-hmm. and then it could be it could come from something like wherever they're working if they want to be put into leadership, leadership position. The, exactly through the organization they're working in or if they just like suddenly realize that they want to move they want to grow from patient care and they want to do more administrative work then mm-hmm. yeah there's definitely that Okay. Um, and for you, especially someone who's been in, a, a student for a long time mm-hmm. um, and, and soon to trans, transition into the professional setting, what is uh, something you do to sort of alleviate the burnout that most of us healthcare professionals seem to feel, whether we're in school or mm-hmm. in the clinic? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just <laughs> burnout. Burnout is just so inevitable. Huh? It's like, I know, like work life balance has been actually work life balance for me has been like getting a little better. So I haven't at like during my time in the doctorate, I haven't felt too much stress, too much burnout, but I've definitely felt it before, especially yeah. in the master's program. And I can only imagine like what it'll be like, like once I start getting into the actual work of it. Yeah. Um, but how I handle it, I guess it's it's just a lot of self-care, just like mm-hmm. doing the things that make me happy and making the time to be able to do those things, like right. hanging out with my friends or listening to music or just staying home and not doing anything at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, <laughs> I think oftentimes underrated. That is like right? home and doing nothing is usually underrated. And people like me, uh, mm-hmm still learning to know how to do that because I'm yes. one of those people like when I have five minutes in the day I'm like hmm, what should I do in that exactly it's like go 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 <laughs> yeah like I have to do something this is time yeah. this is like valuable time yeah yeah but I, I needed to get out of that mindset to thinking like doing nothing 
isn't like unproductive doing nothing can be productive mm-hmm. it could be mm-hmm. like kind of regenerating your energy for yourself yeah to yeah. do other things and yeah I think that took a lot of reminding because these days a lot of the times like I think just like everyone really like mm-hmm. just is always like have this mentality of go 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 have mm-hmm. to be doing something yeah you gotta yeah. do you gotta do this you gotta get better in every aspect exactly of yeah there's no time and, to waste and, you know it's new year so we are like uh i don't know but i personally just forgo of doing making new year resolution a long time ago i'm just Me like <laughs> listen i'm going to get better this year than i was yesterday how we mm-hmm. don't know we'll yes. figure it Okay, we have a big idea, but I'm not going to put all that pressure on myself and be like, from January 1st, you got to boom, 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 boom. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a Mm. lot. Um, In that same vein, though, what do you usually do for fun when you're not working or like in school? I think, uh, especially now, because I'm currently still on like winter break from school, I think Mm -hmm. it was just, I think it was just a lot of, the doing nothing and um, just like spending time with family, spending mm-hmm. time with friends. And I really like, I think like music is also very calming for me. So whether it's mm-hmm. listening to it or playing music, um, I'm not very good, but I'm trying to learn the guitar, but I have not been, I have not been very disciplined to like do it like every day, but um, yeah. it's fun to, it's fun for me to just try even like, I don't have to be good at it. It's yeah. fun to even just do it. And yeah. yeah, other than that, it's just kind of, I feel like it's been hard to do like certain things just given the pandemic, but um, mm-hmm. with what I've been doing, it's mostly just like relaxing and um, kind of spending this final winter break because once I once I finish school, I'm never gonna get this again. I know. <laughs> it is, right? It's work, work, work. Yeah. Um, and you jump into it, you're excited, especially as a new, I mean, I can speak from being a, not a new grad, but a new in my professions. Right, and right. I was so excited when I finally got my license and uh-huh. I was just like going and going and going. I had to, I was so, it was so hard for me to take that one week. This, this past week, I was like, okay, no. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> we, had a, we had a trip planned for New Orleans and I was so tempted to just be like, you know what? This is, let me just go to work. But I knew my husband wouldn't let me. So I was just like, yeah. you know what? It's okay. I will take this week before I start working. Yes, I'm glad you did. And yes, yeah, it was so refreshing to just chill and, you know, mm-hmm. eat and be, be merry, be happy, yeah. be joyful. And now I'm back in the stress of it. I'm still <laughs> the line outside and I'm like, I'm glad I took my week off. Like, for- <laughs> it was a good time to do it. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It really yeah. was um so do you have I, I know you're soon to be a new grad uh mm-hmm. new in the profession mm-hmm. do you, what are some of your like future as uh, professional aspirations oh I think oh gosh there's a lot I think mm-hmm. the first one really directly like or like more closer in time is just to graduate from this program right graduate right. get my degree get the OTD degree um and after that, I think um, I do, I do want to go into patient care yeah. and specifically after kind of the, the clinicals that I've had and the, the experiences I've had in general in school, I really like um, working in outpatient mm. upper, upper extremity um, hand therapy settings that, that has just kind of like really 
resonated with me. I like it a lot. I feel like I thrive in that kind of setting. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I can do um, work in like that kind of setting after I graduate. And then like in the, like previously, I know you mentioned like there's certifications and licenses. There is actually one for hand therapy and it's, it's the CHT, which is certified hand therapist. And that one takes a while to get. Uh I think it's, it it takes like a couple of years and a lot of experience to be able to have. And so that's like a long-term aspiration of mine um, to hopefully get. Um, And other than that, I think I would eventually like to teach too. I would like to go back to like uh, OT programs and just like teach the new generation. Mm -hmm. I found that especially uh, at USC, I just, I just loved the faculty a lot. They were really, they were actually like very helpful and like very Mm -hmm. kind and very willing to kind of share their experiences. And it was very different for me coming from a public undergrad university where I sat in like huge lectures and I never talked to like any professor, like if not like one or two. So it was very different going into like a smaller class, like a smaller program. And that I think that they, a lot of them serve as like role models to me. So I thought that mm-hmm. that would be really cool to be able to teach um, in the in the later future. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, one question that is essentially going back a little because I want to highlight this is, um, mm-hmm. and you mentioned it, I just want to sort of bolden it a little bit. Yeah, is yeah. What are some settings that OTs usually work in? Inpatient, outpatient, uh, what is usually that setting you guys are in? Yeah. Um, oh gosh, there's so many. The like this, it's like beyond yeah. the limit. I think. Um, there's like, there's, there's inpatient rehab for OTs, there's acute, there's pediatric settings, whether it's inpatient or outpatient, there's same goes for mental health inpatient or outpatient. And then there's also emerging practice areas, which are essentially practice settings that aren't as common, aren't as well known for OTs to be practicing in. And that, that really spans from like working in primary care or working in community-based settings. And I think, again, that's like another reason I love, like really love OT is that we can, we can like dip our feet into so many different areas and like provide our experiences and show our expertise to be able to like serve these populations. Um, And there's definitely those. And I think with my clinicals specifically, I was in, I was, I was in outpatient mental health I was in outpatient pediatrics and I was in outpatient hand. So I had a lot of outpatient experiences, um, but I have volunteered in like inpatient rehab in a hospital and all of them really gave me good perspective to be able to see like what it's like to be, because it's one thing to be an OT, but like whatever setting you're in, it's so different. It's the workload, the pace, the population, the people you meet, the people you work with it's always going to be so different. Yeah. So I'm grateful to have like gotten those experiences because I think it gave me good insight into like what I want, what I'm, what I feel comfortable in, what I feel like I'm good at. Um, But yeah, there's, there's definitely a ton. I think oftentimes common ones were really specific to like adult rehabilitation, pediatrics, mental health. Those are kind of the three, the three that are like focused on. Okay. Um, And, and perhaps to leading to all my some of my last questions mm-hmm. um, we mentioned the a master's degree and the doctorate degree and I don't remember if we were talking about this 
before or after we started recording, but yeah, yeah. the doctorate is not required. Is that my understanding? Yes, that's right. Okay. Currently, as of now, yeah. Yeah, and so with you obtain the doctorate or anybody who did get the doctorate, does that increase, does that change anything in the work setting for you right now? Whether I... it's a responsibility or uh, pay your patient load, what does mm -hmm. that change with anything? Yeah, I think I've also, I ask myself this question all the time too. And like, I don't know like the full answer to it, mm -hmm. but I do know that having an OTD degree, so having this doctorate in occupational therapy can kind of open more doors. Mm -hmm. And so like, like I was saying, one of the aspirations I want um, to be doing is to be able to teach in the future. And I think by having this OTD degree, it really, it really does increase my chances of, be able, of being able to become like an educator in an institution for OT in the future versus if I just had my master's. That yeah. doesn't necessarily mean someone with a master's can't teach, but I do think that having this degree kind of gives me that bonus point or like gives me more of the experience at least, more of the leadership experiences and the overall just like clinical experiences to be able to feel more feel more grounded as, as an mm -hmm. occupational therapist. Mm -hmm. um, pay, I'm not sure. I would hope so. That would be great. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really not sure if like, like what, uh, how that would affect kind of like in the actual patient care workforce. Mm -hmm. uh, right. That's definitely a great question. I would definitely, yeah. I would love to look no, more it's, it. it's a It's a question that I'm asking you, but also asking, myself or uh, other people in my side of the the healthcare field as yeah. PAs mm -hmm. because we as we discussed in before we started recording we have similar thing where we, as right now I have a master's degree and I'm able to practice because I have my certification and everything but if I want to and I probably do in the future get a doctorate degree that's not required but mm -hmm. I have had a few of my faculties when I was in school who were PAs get their doctorate degree and I asked them the same question, like, does it change mm -hmm. how you're seeing your patient and, you know, your, essentially your way of practicing and does it change your pay? Mm -hmm. And to us, at least the answer I got from the few people I asked was, no, not right now. But as we discussed, a lot of time when a higher degree is an option, mm -hmm. a lot of time with, as the years progress, it becomes a preference and then it becomes a requirement, right? Right, right. Um, right. So... And if nothing else, you do have that doctorate degree there so that if it does become a requirement or it become a preference, you don't have to think about, oh my gosh, now I have to go back to school. You know, right, you right, right. Have, um, you're done with that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you don't have to. But I did also want to ask you, mm -hmm. uh, I know you went straight from your master's to your doctorate. Right. Is that the way it's usually done or could you have practice and then go to your doctor, to your, get your doctorate later if you wanted to? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I know, I know like a lot of my friends actually that I did my master's with, they didn't go directly to the doctorate. And that's partially because they, they don't want it right now, or that kind of wasn't in their mindset of like getting, right. or it's kind of like they wanted to get work experience mm -hmm. for however long they feel like they need. And then they would think they would think about coming back in the future. And okay. there's like, a lot of yeah a lot of people do that I think I think it's also like a great idea too mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. sometimes people don't 
don't really like have a specific reason to be getting their doctorate and that's mm -hmm. totally fine I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with that I think it's I think it's great to just go out into the workforce like get some get more experiences and then maybe while they're working they can see that they do want it or if they don't right. want it I think mm -hmm. it really just depends on the person but yeah I'm, I'm glad we still have that choice right now exactly it's it's yeah. all about the options right and yeah the option you either take it or you don't you either take it now or you take it later it's mm -hmm. really just uh to each their own um, right. and everyone has a reason for doing what they do right. um all right so the last question is do you have any advice for anybody who may want to become an ot yeah um definitely when you get into ot school just have fun i think like a lot of like when I got into OT school, because it's like a graduate program, mm -hmm. I was so I was I stressed myself out for no reason. I feel like I always had to be on top of my game, which is which is a good thing. But I think it's also good to like take time to enjoy it because it goes by so fast. It, mm -hmm. It's like it really does. And you're not going to be able to get another winter break, like I said, or spend time with your classmates like the way you do in your classes. Yeah. And Another thing is also like you don't always need an A in all of your classes. Just do what you can, pass the class. I think the more important thing is that you learn something and that you, yeah. you get the takeaways and you're able to use what you learn like mm -hmm. educationally into practice or however you like you decide to like work in. And um, yeah. even though it's great to have like a grade to like justify like like what what you feel inside it it will never i don't think it will ever justify what kind of ot you will be the grades that yeah. you get so yeah um, that's that's very telling um yeah. I, I i i should have had that exactly in my year every morning while i was in pa school because mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't hear that advice i was like no i know <laughs> I, I didn't worry too much about my grades but i was just like not as social and i was just like yeah. i think i would go down with my classmates like once or twice because i was just like ah I know. Thing, you know and it's, and it's easier and everybody told us like the faculty the specialist told us enjoy it it's gonna go by fast and of right. course every time they say that we roll right. our eyes because we're like please you know <laughs> exactly i know exactly what you mean yeah next time you know we're graduating we're like oh my gosh what yeah happened? you know i know like when you are in there you don't believe it and then it's like next thing you know you snap your fingers and it's done and you're like yeah they were wrong they were yeah. absolutely right it's like that late realization and it's yeah. like oh i really wish like we heard about yeah. it, but I didn't take it seriously to like really enjoy my time. But like, yeah. yeah. And of course, for, for those of us who are COVID graduates, it's like by the time, even you didn't even get to enjoy your graduation, really. So it's like, oh my gosh, you know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. So um, no, that, that, is, that is definitely great advice. Um, Calvin, thank you so much for joining. I, I really appreciate having you on um happy new year yes. happy new year yeah <laughs> and, uh, happy <laughs> almost being a doctor thank you thank, thank you, you so and much. uh sooner you will be a doctor and uh we, we might have you back on and be like how is the workforce definitely uh, feel the tea okay <laughs> <laughs> happy to share <laughs> <laughs> well again thank you and have a beautiful rest of your week thank you so much Nan. thank you for having me of course bye bye all right i hope you enjoy that Here's the answer for the day, okay? The first educational program was created in 1915. So the answer was C. 
Um, so around 1915, Eleanor Clark Slago um, organized the first educational program for occupational therapists. And uh, now she is known as the mother of occupational therapy. That's it. Cheers. All right. That's all I have for you today. Thank you again for joining me. I appreciate you. Please subscribe, follow, like, comment, and share. And uh, stay blessed. Bye.